<laughs> break up the family. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I, everyone's like, oh, did you know, parents pressure you and stuff into yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, no, I don't, they didn't actually. I, Hi, I'm Dami. Hey, I'm Teo. Hi, I'm Flusha. And you're listening to the Dummy Hound podcast. Hi, Fulu. You know, I've realised you normally say your full name whenever you like. So, what do you like? Do you like that we meet you? I don't mind. I don't mind. Whichever. People call me whatever they want. Whatever they want, I respond. So, it's fine. Well, a lot of my um, family and close friends call me Fulu. I do introduce myself, yeah. But it makes a difference to me. That's cool. But yeah, tell us about yourself. What do you do? Who are you? Um, I am Folu, Felicia. Mm-hmm. I am a GP in London and also um, a coach and PT. Um, do some, I guess, fitness journalism. And yes, I did sports medicine at university as well. So I've got that background as well. Cool, cool. Um, what made you want to get? What? Why did you go into sports medicine? Is that something you always wanted? Was it just yes. life just took you there, or is it? It was something was I always want, always wanted. I was like quite um one of those sporting school kids. I did netball. I did athletics. Did all of it throughout school. Got to uni, played netball. Started going to the gym at uni, um, but just like I was just doing random stuff but I was going to the gym really enjoyed exercise and at uni I was doing medicine I wanted to do into sports medicine and more mm-hmm. uh maybe even surgery mm-hmm. I was quite into the professional side of it yeah and then um and then I finished medicine and got into hospital working and I was realized I don't like working in hospital <laughs> <laughs> I don't like yeah. it what made um, you not like it um the hours <laughs> yeah the hours are the hours in primary care are really long but they're a little bit more social than you're there in the day uh, whereas with hospital medicine you have to be basically your life is dictated by the rotor and that's mm-hmm. weekends and nights and bank holidays and i just didn't like if i didn't have to do that i wouldn't what so is, I, it like, mm-hmm. is it like 10 12 hours that thing or well it just depends on the shift actually it's not that long anymore and yeah. even when i'm in primary care now in GP I probably work from 9 till 7 30 most days yeah. when I'm in so it's a long day but it's a day, it's a day I'm not at night I'm yeah. not working at night and then sleeping all day and I just okay. it just didn't suit me just much and more also control. I didn't really like so yeah it's much more control of your time mm. and also I started went to surgery and started uh, you know helping out assisting surgery I didn't like operating either didn't like standing up in one place for a long time mm. I couldn't do it like it yeah. made me feel like really tired. <laughs> so I was like well yeah. sports surgery is out of the window because yeah. I can't stand up in a suit yeah. like in a gown under mm. hot lights honestly it's really hard yeah. they're sitting there operating do people faint or something I like, fainted really? yeah people do a lot of people do faint but honestly they're doing like hours surgery just standing there I'm like oh so I was like no I can't do surgery how many surgeries have you actually done oh I don't, I don't, I don't know I don't know was it like quite a few before you stopped or well, you do as part of your rotation. So I would do months of working in surgery. So you'd yeah. go in and assist and stuff. So. That's interesting. Um, mm. I didn't know you did surgery. Well, no, it's part... Yeah, I'm not a surgeon. It's part of yeah, training. Yeah. Yeah. And I decided not to take it any further. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, my dad... My, interesting, my dad's a surgeon. And I was for... It's a lot harder. I mean, it looks hard, but it's really... Even the physicality of just having to stand yeah, it's and even operate. Harder than you expect. It's harder than you expect. Mm. Like, you're harder than you think. It's quite hard. Um, 
Yeah, I couldn't do it. You know, I, never, um, <laughs> I never took that into consideration, thinking about like, because I know like if it's like sitting yeah, on the lights like this, it gets hot mm. as well. But standing up for long hours, yeah, they make it look fun and glorious. Yeah, and they're doing TV. like they're concentrating. But, yeah. yeah, it's like very focused. It's quite, long. It's, yeah, and they and then orthopedic surgery can be quite physical surgery. Yeah, because so sports surgery because you're often dealing with bones and yeah. tendons, so they'll usually like actually like hacking away at stuff and moving yeah. stuff it's like, it's like i can't do it <laughs> i'm too weak yeah <laughs> i was uh, so i went into and then also when i started going to the gym from there uh i guess i started getting more into fitness uh from a non-professional side so mm-hmm. like working tra- i was training so i training so weight training and then really enjoyed that and the benefits and more a move more towards actually fitness for like the general population so did that you, became more of an interest in you, sports medicine did you consider doing like I and mean, did you continue with all the sports that you were doing before or any yes i continued netball yeah. up until like two years ago actually fair enough so i played netball throughout uni and then i played uh for a local team like north london regional team for years actually and that was up until recently that was up until just before lockdown so it was properly com- it was complete competing properly basically yeah i mean it's um the regional team so yeah. you play in league so we're playing in a north london team and i only i only quit because of all of the, like all of the other stuff i was doing because yeah. once you're training like we train like once or twice a week for like two hours and then the matches would be like in essex or in uh uxbridge so it's yeah, like an hour drive yeah hour tra- warm up hour match chat drive back it's like five hours of my saturday yeah every week or oh, which was great but i couldn't keep it up and do alongside everything, everything else, else i started yeah. doing yeah which was the training and the fitness stuff and i was like actually i want to take that forward as well irony was i dropped sport to do this but you know it is what it yeah is. but yeah um i got more into the fitness side like fitness for the general population, yeah. exercise for general population, um, became more of an interest. So when I went to GP, like in primary care, does it make sense? Like lifestyle medicine is really important in terms of preventing health and treating illnesses as well as preventing illnesses. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to do the first training qualification and, and do some more on the side. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of going back, so when you kind of decided you didn't want to kind of go the surgeon kind of direction what made you go into general practice um one because like a few things one because i couldn't really decide 100 percent with general practice you do get to do a bit of everything so you see old people you see kids you see pregnant women you see you know you do everything yeah Uh, you have to know a bit of every part of the body because you're like the the gatekeeper to decide what what yes. happens now yeah. and, then, and then where they go to next mm. so i wasn't really like passionate about like cardiology or gastro so i was like i don't really know if i want to commit the rest of my life to one part of the body mm. <laughs> if you yeah. know what i mean um two i didn't really like hospital that much <laughs> still yeah. didn't really like it <laughs> uh, yeah and i knew a few other people had gone into primary care and gp um and they liked it and you, you can be a bit more autonomous in terms of like how you practice where you are and your hours um you can also have time and flexibility to develop a special interest like whether it's within 
medicine or outside of medicine. Mm. So I was like, that's probably going to suit me best right now. Yeah. And it has. It's worked out. Because I think it's allowed me to do more of the other things I wanted to do. Yeah. Which complement it, but it would have been more difficult with a hospital specialty. To be able to do mm. the other stuff that you've done. How many years have you done that now? Uh, what, medicine or training? Um, medicine. So I oh, finished med school. I finished med school 2011. Mm-hmm. I've been a GP since 2016. Yeah. yeah. How many is that now? Eight years? Five, uh, Am I counting wrong? Five years. <laughs> six years being a GP, yeah. Okay. You mentioned um, your dad's a surgeon, right? Mm. So is, is that like the whole family set right now? Loads of... Typical Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pro- actually is a bit of our family. Um, I think uh, so my dad's a surgeon, my mum's a nurse. Uh, my sister's a dentist, but my brother did wow. the right thing and went into um, tech. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Break up the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think I, everyone's like, oh, did, you know, parents pressure you and stuff into yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, no, I don't, they didn't actually. I do think it was a subliminal pressure, yeah. not active. But when you, that's what you're exposed that's to. What you're yes, but yeah, that's what you're around every day. That's, so that's normal. More of like an influence yeah. rather than... natural influence and natural influence. Exactly. Yeah. Fair. So I think, and also like, they were friends with other people, like, they had colleagues. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, that's a normal thing to do. Are you are you happy that that's the way things went? Like, could you see yourself doing anything Yeah, different? it's weird. I do think about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, f- I don't know, actually. Because with that being said, obviously you're a doctor, but now you're, or you've transitioned also into being a personal trainer. Mm. So that's slightly like a, not a big divide, mm. because it's one thing that complements the other. Yeah. Mm. But in some ways they're different-ish practices, whereas one yeah. prescribes stuff and the other one actively deals with stuff. Yeah. To a degree, to a degree. Um, so I actually think they're really that? similar. Yeah. Uh, I actually think the job's like really similar. A lot of, it's a lot of um, communication. Yeah. So you have to be able to interact with people, communicate with people. You have to listen. You have to be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's all really about health underlying, isn't it? So, of, I mean, obviously people want to train for aesthetics or to get mm-hmm. bigger. But it's it's all a bit, of, there's a bit of science behind it yeah, all. There's an undertone mm-hmm. of general health yeah. beneath everything, basically. Yeah. yeah, And even like when you're working out, there's science behind it. When you're a PT, you, you know how the body moves, you're looking mm-hmm. at the biomechanics, whether they're using the right muscles. So there's a bit of science there underlying it. Mm-hmm. So I think they're actually quite similar. So I don't find um, the transition a huge difference. Like I think if, you know, if we'd gone into... I don't know, media or something, yeah, I would have noticed. Yeah, different. that's completely different. But So how long have you been um, qualified and doing personal uh, training? How long now? About two, three, three years. Good. Two, three years. How you been finding that? Um, good, interesting. I mean, I think um, it's something that, because I enjoy it, I'm not um, just doing it. It's not, I'm not just doing it for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it to kind of grow my own, grow like my own interest and specialty. I still feel yeah. like this is the area I need to get. I still need to specialize in this. Whereas mm-hmm. with medicine, I'm, I've done all that. Yeah. So this, I'm still like learning. Mm-hmm. I'm still um, getting more experience. So I don't feel more of a baby in this on that side yeah. of things and competition. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm really enjoying it. I, um, you know, got a few doing my online uh, programs. Got a few in person now. 
um, trying to do more media, fitness media stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then would you say like, so you coming from obviously a healthcare background, would you say that impacted you kind of, you know, staying within the sports, within the fitness kind of thing? Because I think not a lot of even people that work in healthcare, they don't necessarily always apply it into their own lives. So how Mm. did, you know, did it have an impact to you? Or was it just something you knew you had to do regardless of, you know, working in that field? Was there things that you've seen that's kind of like motivated you more to do more for yourself in terms of your fitness and health? Um, has it impact? So has, has the being healthcare impacted my choice? Yeah, in, in, in terms of like, because obviously you train regularly yeah. and everything. You take care of your health, you know, your food, um, your nutrition, and everything. Did that have an impact? Because obviously, just because you know you work in healthcare, or oh, you're yeah. a doctor doesn't actually necessarily mean you true. probably. Take care of yourself. Yeah. yeah. So no, I that think that's true. I think um, a lot. Yeah, a lot. I I think that my natural inclination to that kind of lifestyle. What has had an impact on me choosing what I've the route I've gone into. Um, I think healthcare has made it easier mm. in terms of knowledge. One, um, like when it came to the personal training, just a course like half it was like my first year at med med school. Mm. I did a lot of anatomy, so that made things easier and smoother. Mm. Um, but not all, yeah, not all healthcare professionals take care of their own health anyway. Yeah. And also, it's really hard in the NHS to really spend time with people from that basic lifestyle, medicine um, aspect, which is something I was frustrating for me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have the time to, like, chat to people about their diet and their exercise and, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the nitty-gritty, their sleep, stress. I just don't have time. Mm-hmm even though I know that's an important conversation that's going to help them, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you have to eat good and, you know, exercise. But they have so much limited time that you can't really get to get to a point where you're influencing someone's yeah. um, life. Well, I don't feel like I could. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a motivator to do it outside of uh, medicine because yeah. I can actually spend time talking yeah. to people about and answering their, asking their questions, answering their questions properly, mm. whereas we're under a lot of pressure in the NHS, and it's just not enough time or resources to really do, I think, preventative medicine properly. Mm. We, so we are all, were often leading to reactive medicine, treating problems rather than yeah. preventing them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So now that, like, you're actually, but even when you was. Um, like being a GP and now obviously now transition into PT obviously there's a lot of myths in terms of like your health and fitness and stuff like you know if you want to lose late weight like you know you can't eat before I mean you can't, can't eat, eat after, after seven, seven. <laughs> you know you can't eat after seven you know if you really want to lose weight you have to go keto you yeah. have to like all this kind of stuff so like in terms of like all of these myths and stuff how do you how do you basically communicate to people that you know this is not really how it is you don't have to do the extremes in order for you to get the goals that you kind of want because you see the stuff everywhere and people think like okay yeah that's true that's what I have to do so with stuff like that how do you kind of like go about it and you kind of like back it up with like you know uh yeah I guess there's evidence there's more evidence um I mean there's actually a lot of evidence for both things you'll find like things like keto for example mm-hmm. there is a lot of actual evidence that you know, it works, people mm-hmm. lose weight on it. 
And I'm not anti-keto, I'm not pro-keto at all, but mm. I'm not anti-keto. And some people in certain situations, it might suit them, it might yeah. be successful. And if they can work out whether they want to stay keto or transition to normal diet, that's absolutely fine. But it's not the it's not the be-all, end-all. Mm. It's really restrictive. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is sustainable. And it's not necessarily sustainable. Yeah. So most, I think most um, interventions, let's say, whether it's diet or exercise, whether they're, if they're extreme... Or like a big change from your normal lifestyle, you have to think whether it works or not. Are you actually going to be able to keep this up? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no point even trying keto if you're not going to be able to keep it up because there might be evidence that it works and people lose weight. But if it makes your life a hell, yeah, uh, misery, you can't like enjoy anything, and it's really restrictive and you can't keep it up. What's the point? You have to do something realistic. Yeah. So similarly, similar to like um, the old MythBusters situation that we're talking about, um, as a female PT and obviously a doctor. Um, when dealing with clients and patients and whatever in the hospital, especially among women, um, the conversation is always usually that I find in the gym with women is like cardio versus weight situation. Mm. Um, and like, I think maybe even once upon a time, you probably posted something about how in the past where you used to just do cardio and mm-hmm. then how you transition into weights. How do you communicate that with people as well? Um, or like, yeah, how do you get that message across that it's... one is not necessarily better than the other, but at the same time, it's, it's equal to kind of involve the two. It's, uh, I think that's a, it's still a very hard, um, but sort of like shift, like mindset culturally. Yeah. That mm-hmm. We are still like trying to change. I think that one is still quite deeply ingrained yeah. in society, mm-hmm. in um, fitness culture for women. Um, more people are embracing, uh, it so i mean when i say it but embracing the fact that women can or should do resistance training and weightlifting and that excessive cardio is not necessarily always beneficial again with everything it's uh it's dependent on the person like if you're a marathon runner of course you're going to do excessive cardio you need to train for your marathons and stuff Mm -hmm. but for general health you don't need to necessarily run or do you know hit class six times a week every day to you know keep in shape you don't need to put your body through that strain and it it is quite a lot of strain on the body on the metabolism uh doesn't build any muscle makes it harder to um sustain it's harder to harder to sustain and makes it harder actually for you to like maintain your weight because often when you're excessively working out if you gain weight because your body's already used that level of activity you only have to increase it some more to mm-hmm. try and lose more weight so then you're like doing even more exercise yeah and it can push people into kind of an area where they struggle to like maintain their weight yeah but uh ultimately it's a hard one because it's still that one is still hard to get people to change their mind um because yeah. like, what would you say the balance of that but for like the normal average person who not you know they're not training for anything specific but just more general health what would you say the balance needs to be between cardio and weights um again it is dependent on the person there's no mm. wrong or right answer like it yeah. could be, you don't have to do any cardio yeah you do zero if you don't want to do any don't do any like example you want, of no cardio yeah watching. zero yeah. cardio yeah. cardio no you know what I mean what yeah um there's no perfect balance like if you want to do zero cardio do zero cardio just stay active yeah. You know, walk, that's absolutely fine. That's all you need to do. If you're do, if you're generally active in the day, walking is like the most underrated exercise yeah. that in yeah. there is. 
that's fine. You don't actually need to do any cardio if you're eating well, training, doing some weightlifting. You will be fine. If you want to do cardio, it's fine. Yeah. I actually do, like, I mainly weight train maybe three or four times a week. Mm. I do cardio because I actually enjoy it. So yeah. I'll go to, like, a class or I'll go for a run. Um, but I'm not doing it. I'm doing it for, like, for enjoyment slash health. I'm yeah. not really do, using it for physique. If I wanted to, I'd probably up it if I wanted to drop some yeah, yeah, then, yeah. But then I've got the room to reduce it back to normal. Mm-hmm. So how did, um, how did yeah. you make the switch originally from when you was a cardio girl? Yeah, it's it? weird. I don't actually remember it. My sister says she started weightlifting and I copied her. <laughs> and I'm like, is that true? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I used to go to the gym. I remember I used to go to, um, I was in Bow at the time when I started going to cross trainer for like 45 minutes mm-hmm. and do some abs. And then go. Yeah. yeah or we'll jump yeah. off and do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, it's so funny. Um, and now I'm like, no, I think even when I joined my current gym, I didn't go on a cardio machine for like the first year. Yeah. <laughs> in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the, I don't actually really remember it exactly. But I started weight training. Yeah. And then... Um, Got me, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, I think once you just get into it, yeah, you just start just, to enjoy it. It's just and like, then, um, but then, then you kind of like reading about it, and like obviously with Instagram, it's really good. You start following mm-hmm. people who are weight training, learning more, mm-hmm. teaching yourself more, um, seeing changes and results, and like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then you just enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it, whether yeah. it's whether because you're getting stronger, trying to, you know, get PBs. Um, yeah yeah and what's like the what's enough exercise for just or the minimum amount of exercise someone should do just like for general health day to day and what should it be is it just if you do 30 minute walk every day that's fine is that enough or is it just you know how much exercise Mm. does one need to do to kind of just i'd be i guess be considered fit or try to be fit yeah i guess uh i guess there's two maybe two or three ways of answering it one the recommended guidance mm-hmm. which is 150 minutes moderate intensity exercise a week which is mm-hmm. an arbitrary ish number but that's what the number is proven to have apparently have um on the average population of all any adults so that's from 18 to like the end of life mm-hmm. to have um health benefits mm-hmm. anything less than that is the suggested doesn't have enough health benefits mm-hmm. um or that could be what half 75 vigorous ex- intensity exercise and strength training twice a week is also recommended mm-hmm. uh, in the guidance so really that's what everyone should aim for however the second way we're looking at it is it really does depend on the person so age um physical ability mm-hmm. medical illnesses all mm-hmm. those things are going to impact how much how frequently you can exercise i think for our audience let's say yeah people who might be watching i always say like uh, i would usually recommend someone coming to me if they're like oh i want to start working out i mean based on your lifestyle your schedule mm. if you can work if you can start with three times a week maybe yeah. two, two to three um if you're new to exercise mm-hmm. it's a good starting point it's depending on what you're doing and doing some like full body weight training in those sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are more experienced train exercisers 
would probably be like three to five yeah. uh, times a week. And those people are committed to getting it, you know, the, the sessions done. Mm-hmm. They're planning their life around the gym at that point yeah. and things like that. But for the average person, either new or, you know, wants to exercise but has a life. Yeah. Usually two, three sessions a week, I would yeah. probably say. That makes sense. That's like... But again, it is stuff. dependent on the person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's fine. And then in terms of like, even with study, so the whole eating off the table, I feel like it's such a big thing because I still see it to this day. And I thought really? we've already, yeah, I thought we've already I like... I thought we got over that. Yeah, I, I thought, thought we got, got over it as well. But I see it and I'm like, I think when, people, when I see maybe like transformation posts or like stuff around that and I see in the comments I'm like yeah girl like for you to oh, do this like you need to make sure like you know don't funny. you know don't <laughs> don't go to sleep after you eat or like eating after a like just don't do it like yeah. da, 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 da. well interesting like, it's still, enough two I guess there's two ways of looking yeah. at it what it is crap because really it's your daily calorie intake that's gonna have an yeah. impact so if you don't eat after eight but you've eaten in a massive surplus before like you've eaten 2,000 calories over it doesn't really matter what mm. you do or don't eat yeah. after eight um some people do find if they eat late they feel bloated mm-hmm. it might affect their sleep there's there is a suggestion that even though there's also evidence that protein at nighttime can help you sleep um uh, before bed can help you sleep um but then it's also i guess it gets it starts moving into the fasting the intermittent fasting mm-hmm. uh window of restricted eating windows so not eating after 8 or not eating before 8 a.m., you know, 10 a.m. and having mm. these restricted windows can be useful in helping people control their calorie intake. Right, yeah. So rather than saying it's actually making you lose weight, it's just making you have less time to eat. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to eat less. You could, it's easier to eat less if yeah. you're trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. If you're eating 24 hours a day, obviously, um, you can eat more. But if you can say, I can only eat for, you know, 8 hours a day, Perhaps then um, it might be more successful at, you know, having a lower calorie intake yeah. if that's your goal. Yeah. So the uh, timing, food, meal timing can be useful in certain mm-hmm. um, situations. But it's not necessarily what makes it's you not lose weight. It just kind of helps weight, no. to maintain and keep Control you on your track. Intake, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I guess that's where it gets a bit, I think people confuse that of like, okay, if you eat this time, yeah. you're going to put on weight no. rather than it being you trying to... Yeah, it to... doesn't directly yeah. lead to weight gain, that mm-hmm. eating late, eating too much in general is what leads to weight gain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then in terms of like, if people wanted to, I keep talking about losing weight, but even gaining weight as well, but how would you... Because I know the stuff like like BMI, BMR and stuff like that, apparently they're not as accurate and stuff. So what would be like a suggested way for people to like control, not, maybe not control, but decide how many calories that they need to eat either to maintain, to lose or to gain? How do they work that out? Because I know obviously it won't always be 100% mm. accurate, but what is kind of the kind of best approach? The, the best, the best, best, best way is just to track your food. Mm-hmm. So if you're maintaining your weight now, like, your weights that you want to lose or gain whatever but your mm-hmm. weight's static now mm-hmm. track exactly what you're eating now for like a week or two and mm-hmm. um, work out your calories that's your maintenance calories because mm-hmm. you're maintaining it that way yeah so then you can work it up or down from there mm-hmm. um you can use a calculator to give you a estimation but as you said they're not 100 percent accurate mm-hmm. but you can use that to give you a ballpark to start yeah. from and work out how your body responds 
Um, but yeah, the best, best way is literally just to maintain your weight, track what you're eating at that weight, mm. and then that's your maintenance calories. Yeah. Um, and that's, even if you don't want to track, you can, you can kind of do that a similar thing without counting the calories, but like looking at your meals and your portions and then be like, well, if I'm eating this much, let me just cut a bit, cut mm. a bit down, increase veg. You can do it without tracking calories if that's yeah, something you don't want to do. Yeah. It's probably less specific because numbers and data always help things be more precise. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's probably the best way. The calculators are very useful to help start. Um, and if you just want to get started and work out the calorie deficit, it's really, really useful. But if you're then not losing on that calorie deficit, maybe your actual estimated maintenance wasn't as high as you thought yeah. it was. So I wanted to ask, um, how do you then deal with, like, um, so among, like, the black community, for instance, um, especially regarding food and health, there's always an ongoing thing, especially, like, among African and even Caribbean families as well. Lots of the foods and stuff that we eat are quite dense, calorie-dense and things like mm. that. Loads of people seem to have uh, issues with things like sickle cell, stress, high blood pressure, and other heart-related defects and things mm. like that. So in relation to obviously exercise, food and eating, as a doctor and, and as a PT, probably more so as a doctor first, um, when dealing or if you have dealt with um, aunties, uncles, mums, dads <laughs> in the past, um, what kind of advice do you give to them and do you attempt to like promote the whole gym thing or not necessarily gym but more like activity mm, stuff yeah. towards them? No, definitely promote activity. I think it's definitely improving in our community is like there is I can't remember the numbers at all but there is a lot of evidence to show that black um women are the least active group in the country compared to others um so it's really important to promote in this society and culture where people can be very inactive compared to actually if you look at where we're from originally where it's Africa or Caribbean, people are a bit more, I mean, outside of Lagos, people are a bit more active <laughs> because there's just the yeah, lifestyle. Just the, yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. the life requires yeah. it. Yeah. You, you move more, whereas here we don't it's move as much. Mm. Yeah. And I think, even as well, the Asian population as well, I think a lot of our health problems are actually environmental. Um, so... They're brought on by exposure to things that, you know, basically... So there, there is a genetic, maybe, predisposition, but they're all triggered by the environment we live in, the food that we eat, the lack of exercise, etc., etc. So we need to change our environment or how we react to our environment to help prevent this illness. And particularly, like, black and African... Black, African and Caribbean, we have really high rates of, actually, kidney disease and diabetes more so mm. than, actually, probably cardiovascular. And that a lot of that is... Uh, can be prevented by exercise, so lowering your blood pressure, lower, um, eating less um, for high fat, high salt foods, mm. uh, and exercise and maintaining your weight is really going to help uh, reduce those um, the the prevalence of those those conditions. And I think in the older community, obviously, it's more it's even less normal which is, is it less normal, to be active. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you have to explain to people if you don't do start doing this you know your blood pressure is going to go through if you have a stroke so you just have to be quite brutal sometimes um but it is really important in our um this community to start looking at it as normal and particularly with the food much more difficult to change because we and and understandably i'm not like you know i love the food Mm -hmm. but we do use a lot of oil Mm. uh, a lot of salt um and it's we should actually another conversation is very high (laughs) carb yeah which no carbs are not the devil yeah <laughs> but it's very high carb so yeah. i off even like my mum and dad are actually quite good cool like my dad plays badminton and then so my mum goes for walks and my mum tries to do exercise like tries to do aerobics and stuff which is funny <laughs> uh, but they're like more yeah, active just they're right, more yeah. aware, like they'll go for walks every every week together and stuff mm-hmm. um but sometimes the rice portion i'm like it's like yeah 75 percent of the plate is right yeah i think that's what it is the balance, <laughs> the balance yeah and, and just getting like they always have veg and stuff on the side yeah. it's just good and salad um but like the other stuff dominate yeah mm. and they've definitely like over time reduced it reduced the portions but before even like when i look at when you the the portions that i would eat of like rice and stuff it's like a lot of rice and carbs are not the devil at all but they are the majority of our um they're usually the highest portion of our food intake so most Mm -hmm. people eat more carbs and then protein and fats yeah but if your carbs so if your carbon intake is really high you're not getting much protein um you're probably not getting much nutrition not getting much veg so it's worth just bringing it down and increasing the protein mm. just to have a bit more balance yeah um and looking at if those carbs are providing you with uh, good nutrition is it yeah. just like what lots of um processed carbs or are they like nutrition carbs with fiber uh, vitamins nutrients so that's yeah. probably what we need to look at more but it's yeah. very hard because uh, yeah. that is our that, that is our traditional diet yeah yeah, yeah like I but was, like even i was just sorry i was just gonna say like um in terms of you said looking so again like to everyday people i mean we're all everyday people to some degree but what i mean is like how would um you advise someone to basically pay more attention but at the same time because people like to make out like training checking food all of these things are so hard to accomplish when they're really not but that's how people behave so what would be like a easy like five second way or just in your opinion a way to kind of start the process of thinking about what you're doing a bit more Mm. every day in terms of understanding what's good carbs and supposedly i don't use the term bad carbs but stuff that isn't providing you with as much nutrients and things like that as compared to something else i guess with the easiest thing with food is just look at portion sizes first yeah so i just and um just look at like your plate one has it got veg on it veg i would say like main meals you have veg and a decent size of protein Mm. and then your carb intake they say you know, like a... Something like a fistful fist. above, yeah. Um, a pound is big. <laughs> yeah, and that works. It's supposed to work for your size, obviously, because you've got much bigger fists than me, so... But I'm you can like, have more carbs. I'm more like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think the... the What's the low-hanging fruit? The quick wins. Walk every day. Mm. 
uh, like either go for a walk or incorporate walking into your everyday life, whether it's where you get, how you get somewhere, mm. how you do something. Um, have a bit of pro, have a protein at every meal, uh, like a, like a lean meat, eggs, um, some dairy if you eat it, and reduce your carb intake and increase veggies. Those are the sort of low hanging fruits that you could just probably change yeah. without actively like putting in a lot of effort to like Fair tracking enough. and you know yeah. training. Yeah. Um, and sleep. Which yeah. even I am very poorly, very guilty of not getting enough yeah. sleep. But uh, when I do get good sleep, I see the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just going back to the study that you said in terms of black women being mm. active, was there any kind of indicators to why we're less active? Like, um, what is causing yeah, it? Like, why are we not as active? Because I noticed that as well. And I think when I started training, I noticed that, you know, obviously none of my friends were really... Mm. It was Gym wasn't really something that we talk about, something to do or go to. It was just mm. never really a thing and obviously that's why I kind of like started the brand and stuff but I think now it's kind of better like more of my friends are kind of going to gym but sometimes it's more of just going to the gym for a certain period of time because you're working towards a holiday yeah. or a special event it's not really seen as like something that's like a day-to-day of like being no. active so like what is it that's are they not seeing the benefits of it or is it just we're focusing on other stuff like what exactly is stopping us from um being active so to my to my knowledge, and that study or that what data didn't actually give any reasons mm. uh, apart from like some speculations. I don't know exactly myself either. There's gonna it's multifactorial. As I mm. say, there's mi- multiple factors. One is that probably, unfortunately, culturally, it's not ingrained from a young age mm. as much as maybe our uh, our people, other races in this country. So mm. it's not you know you go to school to learn mm. and to educate but yeah. the focus is not always on exercise yeah. for especially for the girls the boys might get a bit more of a push yeah. especially with football and stuff Sports like that and stuff, yeah. um, whereas the girls it, even though you know you might do pee in school like no one's really telling you it's important to do it so mm. it's just not something you start from a young age yeah i think even just saying pe as well i remember like just pe it wasn't like i enjoyed pe because i was just i felt like i was just kind of sporty anyway but in general girls didn't just really like yeah, didn't, didn't like, like taking part in pe yeah so it's I, like weird. It's I love PE. <laughs> yeah. It's, the best, yeah. it's the best part of school um and sports day but it's a cultural thing it starts mm. from a young age unfortunately mm. and it's something we need to change we can change now going mm. forward because we're the next generation yeah. of parents. That's, that's one thing I think. Um, I think we're in a great position now as who we are now with all the things we're um, exposed to and whatnot to make the biggest change possible, the biggest shift over from what was given to us, basically, in the sense of, like, going back to, like, in the beginning, um, we are sure about whether your parents push you in a certain direction. Mm. There's probably going to be a lot less of that. Mm. People are seeing the value in, like, entertainment mm. and creative things, like, even other normal jobs as well. But the, the desire isn't always to be a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever. Mm. It could be an engineer working on a Formula One car. It mm-hmm. could be very different. It could still be same value, but quite different in in terms of mm. the creativity of the position. So we're in a great position as adults now, young adults, to make the biggest change to come But even generation. And even like how I said, uh, my parents didn't push me actively, but it, it probably influenced my, yeah. my decision because that's what I'm supposed to. The yeah. same way with exercise yeah. and like healthy eating. 
your children will be influenced by, by what that, they're exposed yeah. to. Mm. So if you're exposing your child to you regularly working out and yeah. you eating healthy and things like this, you even if you don't um, force it on yeah. them, they will, they will see that pick. as normal, they'll pick it up. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a big chance to influence, you know, how the the next generation thinks about sports and health and yeah. fitness. And you hopefully from that, if you can influence them from the start, you'll then see, you know, more black girls that mm-hmm. are just more into exercise and it's yeah. becoming more normal and those numbers are going to start changing. Yeah. And then at line, now, kind of, what do you think we can do to... I guess improve those numbers what can we do is like obviously you being a um, fitness professional like what can we do to you know we asked um, someone else that was here and they said there's more the government kind of needs to like step in and stuff but for us as well what can we do because I know obviously we create content and you know push out Mm. this information but is there anything else that we can do like um good question I'm gonna think let's I mean I think social media media in general is a big um uh tool powerful tool to mm. like influence people literally mm-hmm. people influence yeah yeah, yeah so you can really influence people to um become let's like, see the benefits or become interested in you know this lifestyle or those and make those changes i think that's probably the biggest tool we have yeah. for our generation because you can capture so many people i think the government personally uh, i think their impact will probably come will probably affect the younger generation if they're really mm. going to do anything it's going to be from the schools yeah. they can't really what they're really going to do for, for, uh, yeah, for like people. 20 to 30 year olds they're not going to force people to go to the gym do you think you personally have a voice to impact people uh um, <laughs> the reason why i say that obviously is because i know you've um done a few things in the past in terms of publications and mm. paper and things like that and even you're working with a company now right um what's it called Bob 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 Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah so in terms of that like why do you think they reached out to you? Yeah. Like, with that being said, do you now not think that you're... No, no, yeah. You <laughs> it's my responsibility. <laughs> uh, no, I think... Um, yes, I think I do. I play a part mm-hmm. in the spreading the word. I see mm-hmm. you guys. All in this together. Um, <laughs> I play a part in it. And I think because uh, my background, I'm, all, I'm literally all day I'm telling people about their health so yeah. it makes sense for people to ask me to tell more people about their health yeah <laughs> um so i think and also being black uh doctor pt there's not very many of me yeah mm. so in terms of influence and um mm, visibility representation people don't see that so much so it will help influence more people like it's more of um unfortunately it's like a selling point flash fortunately yeah so yeah um but i mean even at work even in in general practice at work i get people coming in it's like oh it's so nice to see a black female doctor like i'm Mm. like cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is nice i'm like oh it's like i'm like thanks yeah but so it people respond to it if you're a black female and you come in and see a black female doctor you're going to respond to it um mm-hmm. so we need representation um, yeah that's why how did, um, that, it's important. how did that connection come about uh the barbell um i am um, the, the stuff before that as well 
Um, I I think I knew one of the girls from the gym who is one of the Barbells team, and she just mentioned me to their marketing team. And they just, yeah, reached out to me. It's nice. Um, and they're like, I mean, they're a great. I mean, and I was already a fan of their yeah. bars. So I was mm. like, yeah, easy. I'll definitely join. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they've got like they've got a good community. Um, they've got nice products. Uh, they've got like a really big um, reach. Like they're in all over Europe, yeah. America. Mm. Um, yeah. So why not join in? Yeah. Spread the word. Yeah. I wanted to say um, so. I don't want to talk too much about other brands and things like that. But at the same time, I'm always, um, especially now these days, post-2020 and everything to do with, like, race and things like that, I'm always very, like, no one's approaching me, so it's fine. <laughs> but I'm always looking at brands, especially when they approach black people, male or female. Um, I'm thinking of one person in particular, but don't worry about that. But, um, yeah, I always think about it. Um, but then you as the person being approached, how do you think about the situation? Because I feel like, again, a lot of these brands and people just contact, you know, whoever or a select small number of people um, for the sake of looking a certain way, obviously. Like post-2020 or whatever year it was, you know, you can look at their, their board of members or users or um, staff and it all looks one way. Mm. And then after 2020, you know, you've, you've fit a quota, you've mm. added to the thing. How do you feel about not just your the ones that have been in contact with you, but people who have contacted you in general over mm. years or things like that. Um, no, yeah, I, I see the tokenism, I guess what you'd call yeah. it. Um, it's a, I think it's it's a catch twenty two or a double edged sword. Yeah. It's it's tokenism. It's sometimes virtue signaling. There's no real uh, feeling or intent. Um, What's where they're not genuine behind yeah. it? They're doing it because oh, we need to look like yeah. we've got some black or brown people on the team. So X, Y, Z, let's invite you on. But they're not really there for pushing, you know, pro yeah. black or or for what's the word inclusivity, really. Yeah. However, on the flip side, because they even just have us being in some of those positions or rooms is gonna we need to get our foot yeah. in the door so it's like, yeah. yeah it's like whether they mean it or not yeah we need to use the opportunity yeah. 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 yeah and it allows us to use the opportunity to whether it's you know to um spread the word to yeah. represent to get you know reach more people to give representation but also within the industries or the companies organizations that have contacted you to try and like make change yeah. make suggestions people can you know you get you need to get in yeah, somehow yeah yeah so i think it's a bit of both really it's good and bad yeah um i was gonna say something else about it but i can't really remember yeah it's good and bad. <laughs> yeah that's good and then also with your women's health contributions as well so um how did that come about and how do you kind of do they tell you like okay we've got this topic can you write about this or is you just kind of have to decide on some of the yeah, usually they um so actually i don't know how they, they first contacted me i think during lockdown mm. and again it was probably a bit post <laughs> 2020 um yeah that time um they just contacted me for uh to write something oh, i can't remember just like to write a comment on something mm. 
Uh, they're supposed to be on Instagram. Again, I think uh, social media is really useful because you can, you're exposed to so many people. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to brands, you know, you, you can, can, but they can also reach out to, to you. Mm-hmm. So that happened then. And then I think I wrote one thing, really excited. And once you are on one person's list, like mm-hmm. they'll reach out to you again and mm-hmm. then someone else reaches out to you again and then mm-hmm. they just, like, yeah. I'll send you requests to write features so regularly. Um, it's not a regular gig, actually. Like I'm not pe- like a regular writer, but they contacted me uh, regularly yeah. to do stuff. So. Do you enjoy doing that? Because yeah. I get you to do some stuff in Dabby yeah. House, which I love. Yeah, no, it's so. good. Um, it's good, you know. You see your name on the <laughs> yeah. magazine. <laughs> um, Are you still doing that blog stuff? Yeah, I am. But sometimes I'm like, I need to do so, some more. Yeah. yeah so Folly's done. You've done as well, yeah. right? but um. It's trying to find different people to contribute as well yeah. from different like mm. perspectives and stuff. I am trying to do it more. I've kind of like eased down because some, sometimes I don't know what topic yeah, to thingy. Yeah. So what I was going to do it was funny because I was supposed to do it a couple of days ago. I haven't done it yet, <laughs> but I was going to send out um, kind of like a a form to say, you know, what kind of things do you want to know? What kind of blog stuff would you be interested in? Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy the blog section because sometimes it's not just about you know selling products to people. Again, being a fitness brand fitness kind of platform it's great to be able to community yeah Yeah. because if i'm promoting you know feeling confident in fitness there needs to be something outside of the clothes and being able to provide guidance and information from Mm. obviously how to get there yeah so yeah i definitely want to do more of them i just need to figure out what topics people actually are interested in there's just so many as well yeah exactly so sometimes when i ask you you're like oh what specific i'm like i need like it's so much like what you just but it's good to get feedback from what people what people actually want to see yeah yeah so outside of becoming a doctor amazing pt (laughs) and a a writer for the pages of the world (laughs) what would you say is your biggest achievement uh biggest achievement going on tv in channel four with dr michael mosley oh, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh you did that yeah. Yeah. that was like was that 20 like that was 21 that yeah. was 21 that was last year i don't think i got to watch it but i saw you post um, it that was sick yeah yeah, yeah that's my great yeah no that's sick that was really bad that's, and I wanted, really that's a good one uh i'm gonna post that soon actually oh. remind everybody that was yeah post it, yeah, 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 yeah your tv that's huge <laughs> um yeah. yeah that's definitely my biggest achievement yeah, they some they literally just uh just be happening for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so random. Uh what's they called? Production company yeah. reached out to me and then they were just did some interviews, um auditions, I guess actually. Yeah. Um yeah, and then they were like, Yeah, we need to do it. And actually it was really, really good and the uh contributors, the people on the show, did so well. Like I mean it's actually probably not exactly what i prescribe it for to, you know my no my um normal message because mm. actually it was quite an intense thing so they had to do like a four-week uh diet from michael mosley because he does a lot of uh what would you call it he does like he does quite a lot of um the fast diet so he does intermittent fasting and low calories for, like two days a week yeah and then like and then i had to do this exercise program for them and like so i gave them we did group workouts on Zoom. Um, they were doing training and steps. And they had the diet from Michael. But they all, like, smashed it. One of them lost, like, 10 kg or something. It was ridiculous. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
And it's, it's amazing. We're so it's bad like, at the old digital rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, one lost anyway. Yeah. Um, but they were all, I mean, that's quite an extreme picture. And they were all extreme cases, like yeah. very overweight. Most of them are a bit older, really poor diet, lifestyle. Yeah. So when you do that for two weeks and you suddenly start doing, you know, 10 to 14,000 steps a day. And also when you know you're being filmed and, you know, people put in a lot of effort. They yeah, go for it. It's much you... different when you're on TV. Of course. If someone says you need to lose some weight, we're filming you for the next four weeks, you're probably you going to lose some yeah, weight. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're putting in, like, <laughs> all the effort. The people, yeah. they took, people were, like, taking time off work to make sure they could, like, fit, do this program. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It was successful. But yeah, that's definitely my biggest achievement. That was fun. Nice, that's well sick. I want to be on TV. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I do. Do I? I do. No, it's, it's good. I'd, I'd definitely do it again. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, like, I don't know. It's just time, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no time. Yeah. Um, no, that's sick. And then with that, like, who would you say, like, inspires you? Like, outside of your friends, I feel like your parents seem to be, like, a very big bit of an inspiration like but like outside of that is there anyone else that inspires you or is there something specific that inspires you uh my family definitely inspired yeah. me i would say that my mom and dad obviously are geez for what they've done mm. me, i'm not like we're not it, i when the older you get something the older you get the more you realize how hard your parents have to work yeah and how much they sacrifice to let like because mm-hmm. now i'm living the life and that's yeah. all because of like everything that they do yeah um my sister she's like probably my, one of my best friends but also with fitness as well mm. she's um also getting into training and she like loves it and she's like 10 times stronger than me so mm. She's an inspiration. <laughs> That's good. Um, outside of that, who else inspires me? Um, it's a weird one, actually. I can't actually think. I don't want to say anyone like Serena Williams or <laughs> Michelle so Obama. Mad in my head. That's uh, <laughs> I mean, they obviously they do inspire me, but I feel like it's a bit. Um, Dis- yeah, yeah, it's kind of like you like, can be like, oh, course. that's great, like, you've done amazing. Yeah. That's like, oh, like giving a bit of inspiration, but not. Who wouldn't? Yeah, Williams not inspired. Yeah, like, yeah. she's amazing, but she's amazing, yeah. and she's like, oh, like I'm like trying to think of someone a bit closer sure. to me who I'm thinking. Oh, there was a GP at my work place who's now retired, and she's probably one of the best doctors ever. Mm. She's so, so nice. Um, patients loved her. She knew everything. She helped everyone. She was an inspiration. That's good. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. She now retired. No, she left me. Random one. Would you call yourself successful? I guess it depends on what. I mean, this is a very. <laughs> That's you. It's you. A very For your definition yourself. of success, no. successful, would no. you? No, I think I'm doing all right, but not, <laughs> not successful. No. Um, and even then, I mean, it's difficult. I don't think I've even decided my my measurements for success 100%. Yeah. I yeah. think they're changing a bit. But mm-hmm. I still feel a bit like uh, it's got some stuff to do. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then in saying we've got some stuff to do. So like um, to the end of the year, for next year, what's like one thing you want to achieve or something mm. you're kind of like working towards? Definitely with my... Uh, client like getting growing more of a custom base because i've actually as of like 
last week actually dropped a bit of um dropped a bit more of my NHS work so I'm doing a bit less because I want to do more yeah stuff. yeah so I actually have to push do some work now <laughs> I actually have to put in the effort once yeah once um yeah I've kind of cut up not and I never want to stop general practice completely mm-hmm. I actually do enjoy it yeah. um and it does complement the role well but I'd like to swing the balances a bit more so I've dropped a bit um I really want to grow more of a uh client base so yeah. more few more in-person um clients mm-hmm. and more like uh, online of an online community, community yeah of, sure. um of, of clients to train so like doing online programs and having like a online group of people who train with me yeah. that's what i want to do i guess in the next year so mm-hmm. that that's something that's going and sustainable yeah. rather mm-hmm. at the moment now it's a bit ad hoc yeah 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 uh, it gets to a point where it's you know want, yeah yeah something going and then maybe even drop a bit more nhs work and do a bit more <laughs> then we'll yeah, see yeah. um yeah, that's that's the one. That's the main short-term goal. Yeah, which I'm pushing myself to do because I'm officially earning less money, so I need to make some money, <laughs> some, yeah. some more money somewhere else. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> no, that's great. It's been amazing. Like you've always been so supportive, Dami How, and I'm just happy with everything you're doing. I hope it Thank all goes you. well. I, love that. <laughs> I actually recorded a workout with my sister oh, in, the, yeah. in the in the. Uh, tops the other day so i'll post this soon <laughs> but no it's been amazing i look forward to everything you're thank doing you for so thank you for coming on it's been great thank you, guys. thank you for having me great thanks for listening guys peace